This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. One of the themes that I've been promoting on my podcast site has been, in the last few weeks and few months actually, is the rise in commodity prices. I look at something called the CRB Index, that's the Commodity Research Bureau Index, and whether it be milk or molybdenum or whether it be lithium or lumber, it seems to me that across the board, almost, commodity prices are going up and the CLB index has risen from a level of around about 112, 13 months ago to its current level of uh, above 215. And this has implications, of course, for inflation. And the world's commodity basket is going up. Its shopping basket is going up. And what does that mean for interest rates? And more importantly, and for the purposes of this podcast, And this discussion is what does it mean for asset managers? With me now is Portfolio Manager at 91 in London, and that's George Cheveley. George, I look at this thing every day with a good deal of fascination, and I see something like lithium, which I mentioned earlier, up something like 90% over the last year, or year to date, actually. I just wonder if you're also noticing that this thing keeps creeping higher almost on a daily basis. Um, Yeah, Lindsay, we've seen um, big price rises in commodities. And I think it really comes back to what happened, you know, through the pandemic and the recovery from that. And the important thing is we've had a massive shock to demand a year ago, followed by um, a very big increase in demand as stimulus has been unleashed around the world. Um, A lot of people have been stuck at home and they've not been spending on holidays and restaurants. They've been spending on buying goods, which obviously require inputs of commodities, etc., But at the same time, supply was shut down a year ago in many industries by the restrictions because of the pandemic. So we didn't get the usual buildup of inventories that we get following a demand shock. So when that demand came back strongly, we don't have the inventories to supply that demand. And therefore, prices have to go up to restrict that demand and incentivize supply. And that's really what we're seeing. We've come into this massive rebound in demand with very low inventories. And so it's very fundamental what we're seeing and something that could last for a while. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. Now, let's start with the supply side of things because it seems it's the perfect storm for commodity bulls or rather the perfect scenario for commodity bulls because the supply side, is it just a short-term phenomenon because people couldn't expand their supply because of the pandemic and other factors and therefore once they switch the tap back on it may constrain or rein in the rally or is it something that's longer term because it's been I don't know maybe people haven't been investing in mines maybe they haven't been investing in forests maybe they haven't been investing in corn and wheat fields and that sort of thing let's start with the supply side is it a short-term phenomenon It's both short and long term, in fact. So, yes, we've had disruption short term, which I mentioned um, a year ago, plus a very big recovery in demand. But it comes, the point is, we came into the pandemic with low inventories for a lot of commodities because commodity producers have had a terrible um, 10 years, frankly, since the last peak in the cycle in 11. And therefore, companies have not been investing in new supply because it wasn't required haven't been spending a huge amount of capex. And therefore, we've now reached that point where 
we've got shortages and and it's very hard to react and build supply very quickly so clearly and that's why we sit in cyclical markets we've reached that point where we're now got deficits in number of commodities and prices then short term have to rise very high to essentially choke off demand otherwise you can't balance the market what about demand is it purely because of everybody saying i'm out of prison now I've got to buy stuff and I've got to restock. Is it a restocking demand-led rally along with the supply-led rally as well? Or is there something more to it? Because, for example, the United States, the world's largest economy, is forecast to grow 6% this year by the IMF. Well, I mean, part of that growth is restocking and definitely restocking is part of it. In fact, it's a desire to restock. But actually what we're seeing right now and people talk about restocking and the stocking cycle – we're still in the early stages in many markets because inventories are not building because they can't. When you look at steel markets, we've seen lead times out for hot roll coil, standard lead time, three, four weeks, probably 12 weeks in most markets at the moment to get a basic ton of steel. Um, you know, these are very extended lead times. And, and not surprisingly, steel prices are at record levels in pretty much every market worldwide today. Um, because there is huge demand and the mills cannot keep up with it. So, you know, inventors are low. And and what happens, of course, is if you're a purchasing manager, you're buying steel and not enough steel arrives. What you do next month is order a bit extra so you get at least what you want. So, in fact, what happens is orders then increase. um, Steel mills can't deliver. They get further behind. Prices go higher. Eventually, of course, demand comes down then the stocks come in all those orders you've overordered, and then of course demand drops off a cliff and that's a typical stocking cycle and certainly that is part of what we're driving here is partly a stocking cycle the interesting and big debate of course in the market is massive infrastructure spending has been promised it is starting to come is it really going to come and on what time scale because obviously if that starts to come in more strongly in the second half of this year next year then maybe this continues for a long time. Let's have a look at the GDP, uh, gross domestic product connection here. You used to work in the steel industry and did so for many, many years. What typically would be the cycle? I mean, people start buying steel or ordering steel ahead and ordering more steel ahead. And then you mentioned falling off a cliff from a demand perspective. But how long does it take for the demand to fall off a cliff or the supply to get back? Um, Very difficult to judge. It really depends on on the level of underlying demand and and how fast that's increasing. Um, But but certainly it can take a while. And certainly what I see still is I don't see, I mean, steel inventories building. The signal, of course, is you see steel inventories building. And then you know at some point the, the customers are going to start ordering less to rebalance their inventories. We're not really seeing that build in steel stocks. When you look, and there are measures around the world, you can look at steel stocks. Um, we're not seeing that build in inventories yet. A lot of people are predicting it because they've seen the amount of steel being ordered, but we haven't really seen that come through. And, and I think that's because we've had such a massive demand shock. I also think, particularly in steel, we have a, a really strange and probably the first time I've ever seen it situation, which is actually steel mills in some cases have been reluctant to bring back production because particularly in places like Europe, because some of those older plants that they've had closed down are higher emitters of CO2. And of course, with carbon pricing going up and and in fact, 
investor attitude, public attitude towards uh, carbon emissions, they're less less keen to bring back that old capacity, even at great prices, because it increases their emissions, which obviously they get penalised for. As a portfolio manager, you're obviously looking at all these prices as I am on a daily basis, but you're doing it more assiduously and more analytically. But when you look at the the stocks associated with the rising commodity prices, what are you saying to yourself? Are they already discounting a market that is seemingly on an inexorable path to greatness? Have they discounted what has gone on already? In other words, with their glamorous valuations, how do you see the actual stocks behind these prices? Well, at a very basic level, the stocks in the sort of mining metals world that I particularly look at, stock valuations are nowhere near the peaks that we saw in 11-12, where we had similar sort of record prices, because we're in many cases, we're back to those prices. And then you ask the question, why? Um, and, And it seems to me, in fact, it depends on the metal. So if you look at copper, for instance, a number of the pure play copper stocks are actually seem to be if you look at their valuation, they're, they're actually already assuming prices are near their sort of, I mean, they're not at the spot highs of $10,000 today, but they're pricing in copper at eight, $9,000 a ton long term, which is a pretty strong long term price and probably a bit higher than I would expect. If you look in the iron ore steel space, it's almost the opposite. I mean, iron ore today is through $200 a ton. Never seen that price before. Mm. If you look at a BHP Rio valuation, uh, in taking a longer term valuation, they've got, you know, they're still assuming iron ore is back at $60, $70 a ton long term. Now, that's not impossible. And the market's saying, well, we think that's what will happen or come back. The question, of course, is how quickly it comes back. Uh, and many of the valuations assume it comes back sort of within 12, 24 months. Um, if by the end of this year, iron ore is still well above 100, then these stocks are very, very cheap. Do you think we're in a super cycle? Let's talk about commodity prices before we get on to the commodity company valuations and potential. Super cycle? It's a horrible phrase, but we have to use it. Are we, are we, are, <laughs> are we at the beginning of, of something here? Because it just, it's very exciting for an ex-commodity trader like myself. I think we're certainly in a restocking cycle, which is a particularly vicious one. Um, for the reasons I said, because we've come in from such a low inventory position and production position and such a massive stimulus to demand. I mean, unprecedented the amount of stimulus we've had. So we're in a, in the start of a very, and I, I don't think it's finishing yet, big restocking cycle. To be honest, on the super cycle, and to argue super cycle, you've got to say all this stimulus spending, infrastructure spending is now coming through and it, and is going to be a prolonged and, and happen long term. I think that's a possibility. I still think the tipping point there is more around 23, 24. So I'm still nervous that we get quite a nasty down cycle in the next two years. Um, And then we enter a a more prolonged cycle of strong demand. But I'm happy to be wrong on that and find that that demand continues to be stronger than expected over the next two years. I don't expect prices won't go up forever and they will moderate and come back down over time. But the point is they stay much higher than normal long-term prices people would expect. And I I think that is definitely a possibility. I like that phrase, you're happy to be wrong. And it almost assumes that you're positioned for yourself to be right. So (laughs) please tell me about your strategy at 91 as a portfolio manager in the commodities capability. Well, in our diversified strategy, I mean, as you'd expect, we've essentially 
Um, right now, we're positioned where we are have more exposure in the metals area, generally base metals and and steel, iron ore space, um, and and actually in the agriculture space because we mustn't forget we're seeing record grain prices as well, or certainly record rises in grain prices recently, and actually very strong fertilizer markets which have come back very strongly in recent weeks. Where we're underweight is in energy. Um, and that's not that we don't think, I mean, oil prices recovered, energy markets have been strong, but we, we do still think there's a lot of spare capacity at OPEC, um, which can be bought on and therefore moderate. So there, there is plenty of potential supply short term if OPEC, you know, raise production. And at the same time, energy equities are obviously being held back and derating to some extent because of concerns longer term around decarbonisation, the impact on oil demand and fossil fuels. And I'm happy if, if energy prices do go higher and those energy companies with it, I think the metal prices, that will mean a very strong economy and the metal prices and other commodity companies will be doing very well as well. George, thank you so much for your insight. That's George Cheveley, Portfolio Manager at 91 in London.